Our scripture reading for this morning will come from the book of Romans, chapter 15, beginning with verse 20. The Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Rome, chapter 15, beginning with verse 20. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you, but now with no further place for me in these regions. And since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints for Macedonia And Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessings, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on my way by you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that, I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I purposely have left out the middle portion of Romans 15 from verses 14 through 19 for this afternoon's lesson, which I've entitled, Well Done, so that I can focus this morning on... This concept of best laid plans. How well do your long-range plans turn out? Life does have a way of throwing curves, doesn't it? Paul, in this latter half of Romans chapter 15, is making plans. And he's sharing those with the brethren at Rome of things he's hoping to do specific places he's desiring to go and those items that he wishes to accomplish. I have written out on the marquee, when making your plans, make sure God is your travel agent. (laughs) Look again with me at verse 24 of Romans 15. Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have First enjoyed your company for a while. Paul mentions three places in his future. First, he mentions Spain, then Rome, and then finally Jerusalem. 
What is it that he wants to do? Well, he plans to go to Spain because the gospel has yet to go there. He wants to preach there. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 15. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. Sounds like this message is pretty important. And it is because it's the gospel. It will have effect upon leaders and kings and nations. Paul says, I have accomplished my work in this area and I want now to go to Spain. But I have plans to make a stopover with the brethren, you brethren, there in Rome. I, he says in verse 23, for many years I've desired to come to you, not only to enjoy your company, but also to receive your support, verse 24. Now, in next week's lesson in chapter 16, we're going to see that Paul is not really a stranger to the church at Rome. If you read chapter 16 this week, count the number of names that Paul lists specifically that he sends greetings to. I'll give you a hint. There's 25 names and two households in addition to that. That's a lot of folks that Paul already is familiar with. In the church at Rome, he says, I want to stop over and visit with you for a little bit to enjoy your company, but also so that you might help me go on to Spain. But for now, he says, I have to go to Jerusalem. Paul is probably writing this letter from uh, Eastern Asia, possibly even Greece at Corinth, and he's wanting to make a final trip. Does he know it's his final trip to Jerusalem? He wants to make another trip to Jerusalem. And he says, I've got in my possession contributions from the churches, from the saints in Macedonia and Achaia for the poor saints at Jerusalem. This is the fulfillment of his passage in verse 1 of this same chapter where he says, We that are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those who need us, who are lacking strength. And so he's playing a part in that as well, being the courier for the contributions that the brethren in Macedonia and Achaia have put together, the strong blessing the weak. Do you think uh, Paul has a fiddle foot? Does he simply enjoy traveling? Well, it's certainly a mark of his ministry, isn't it? that he seems to be on the go most of the time. He feels like traveling on. Turn with me to hymn number 991. 991. No. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. 
My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on. Until that blessed home I see, I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. And we all long for that final journey, perhaps not wanting it today, but looking forward to our passage on into heaven. But Paul really has traveled for the last perhaps as many as three decades in service to the Master. He says, though, to the church at Rome that he wishes for them while he's there and perhaps even to start now because of what he's about to experience, for them to be partners with him in prayer. Start with verse 30 of Romans 15. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Whenever you have family, friends, loved ones coming your direction and you know the date of their travel, how soon before the trip begins do you begin to pray? Hopefully it's almost immediately, as soon as you know they're coming your way and then continues Thanking God once they've arrived and then asking the Father to be with them as they return home and thanking him again once they return home safely. That's what Paul is asking for here, for safe travels. But even more than that, he says, that his adventure will be successful. I urge you to strive together with me. Become partners in this mission that I have. Now, think of this letter that Paul is writing, going one direction as he sets out the other. Because it does. It heads west while he goes back southeast. But Paul understands that his plans are not uh, set in stone, that he really does not know for sure what's going to befall him. But just think of how his plans are going so far. He's long-reaching. He plans on going to Spain by way of the church at Rome. Once he has a successful mission in Jerusalem. And what he really wants is to come to Rome with joy. And then be refreshed, if not even rested, by his visit with them. Is that how it all turns out? In our study of the book of Acts, we know that that's not how it all turns out. It doesn't go according to plan. Paul is writing this letter probably around 58 or so A.D. 
And things are very different by the time we get a few years down the road and Paul finally ends up in Rome. In fact, almost 30% of the book of Acts, starting in the mid-portion of chapter 21 and going through the rest of the final chapters, almost 30% of the book of Acts is what happens after Paul writes this letter. And as we studied the book of Acts, we know that Paul is rejected violently by the disobedient of Judea. The Jewish leadership there are ready to tear him limb for limb before the Romans intercede. And he's dragged away from the crowd, the violent mob, to the prison, and they're ready to beat him. And Paul pulls his Roman citizenship card. He then is transported as a prisoner under guard from Jerusalem to Caesarea by night to spend two years in Herod's palace as a prisoner. But after appealing to Caesar, he's shipped to Rome and marooned on Maralta, on Malta, actually shipwrecked. And finally, he does arrive in Rome. But even then, it's under house arrest. And that's how the brethren find him. Look at the difference between what Paul plans and what actually takes place. He has made it to his destination in Jerusalem and then to Rome, but not as he had intended, at least not as he had written to the Romans here in chapter 15. Oh, if it had only gone as I had planned. Sometimes we get a little frustrated when our best laid plans, which is the title of the lesson again, when our best laid plans go awry. You would think as an apostle that uh, Paul would be granted so many wishes that things would happen. What does Paul know that we sometimes forget? When making your plans, make sure God is your travel agent. That was the purpose of the prayer that he requested from the church at Rome. I want you to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Of course, Paul can't see any further than God allows him to. But even as he begins to travel to Rome, as revealed for us there in those final chapters of Acts, God begins to hint to him and to let him know that things are not going to go exactly as he was planning. He begins to get alerts. So much so that he says, I don't know exactly what is in store for me in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. In chapter 21, in verse 13, you remember the prophecy of Agabus that the man who owns this girdle is going to be bound in Jerusalem. And Paul responds, well, I'm ready to, to suffer whatever, even if it's death, for the sake of the gospel. What was God doing? God was giving Paul heads up, even before he got to Jerusalem. Things are changing Paul, it's not going to be according to plan. You're not going to be able to skate <laughs> through Jerusalem 
What you fear is going to happen. You're going to fall into the hands of those disobedient Judeans. And who are those disobedient people of Judah? They're his own people. The Jews who have yet to be converted to Christ. Who not only reject Christ, but now reject Paul as an apostle of Christ. Even plotting to kill him, which is why he had to be rushed away under guard by night from Jerusalem to Caesarea. What are we learning? My plans aren't always God's plans. Listen to these verses from James chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. James, the Lord's brother, misunderstood who his fleshly brother, half-brother, Jesus, was. John tells us in John chapter 7 and verse 5 that Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. Pretty short-sighted. James, though, became a follower of Christ. We find the brothers of Jesus and his mother Mary with the disciples before the Holy Spirit descended in the cloven tongues of fire. The crucifixion and certainly the resurrection and ascension had convinced James, along with his brothers, that Jesus was not just a half-brother. He was the Christ, the Messiah. It is this James now that says... We don't see clearly to make our own plans. Not even for tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. And when we try to leave God out, we are boasting in our arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Now, is God against us making plans? When I make plans, God smiles. What does God know? that I don't everything. What's most important? When making your plans, make sure God is your travel agent. I feel like traveling on to heaven. This life is under God's control. I, too, must yield to his will. Paul understood that. That doesn't mean we can't make plans. What it does mean is that we... Allow God to be the one who directs our steps. We learn to roll with the punches when God is our travel agent. What's most important? It's not to be comfortable. There was a story just uh, this past week about a cruise ship that was leaving the harbor uh, in the northeast, and it was to travel to the south, the One's taking the cruise. I think it was the Bahamas. It was someplace nice and sunny. We're going to head south. And yet an alert was put out just before they boarded the cruise ship that rather than going to the Bahamas, they were going to Canada. 
didn't have time to do anything except cancel their trip, and they did have the opportunity to do that, but this particular uh, couple that they were interviewing was with a family group composed of six families, and so they all just took the trip that went north instead of south, and they began to buy sweaters and clothing and and uh, things while on board because they hadn't packed for uh, the north. And the mother said, her little seven-year-old asked during the trip, Mommy, where's the beach? <laughs> Plans don't always go according to what we would like. But if you can can adjust, mainly if you can continue to walk with God, then it will work out. Feel like traveling on? The most important destination, of course, is heaven. So here is Paul at the end of the book of Acts in Rome. As far as we know, he never makes it to Spain. Though his intentions were good and he wanted to spread the gospel where he had not yet gone, God deemed that that was not part of his mission statement. Instead, he sends him to Rome. Even as a prisoner in chains. But that's not where Paul's ministry ends. No. We have Paul's prison epistles. Maybe God just needed Paul to sit still so that he could write a few more letters. It's not that he hasn't been writing letters for the last 10 years. But while he is a prisoner in Rome, he writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philemon, letters to Timothy, and possibly even to Titus. Think of the power of revelation in those letters. I'm going to quickly read to you some passages that emphasize for the most part that Paul is writing them as a prisoner. But I want you to imagine that if Paul had gotten his wish and had simply stopped off in Rome and bounced on to Spain, that perhaps these letters would not be in our possession, that he might not have gotten around to writing them, that he might have died in the midst of his journey, and how bereft we would have been of some powerful messages of the Holy Spirit. From Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Imagine that. Who's in control? So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have four, far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Paul says, because I'm in prison, I have reached the Praetorian Guard. At, under house arrest, Paul is chained to a singular Roman soldier if customs are being followed. Talk about a captive audience. It's not Paul. 
He says the gospel is gone to the whole Praetorian Guard. They're the ones in the house of Caesar. The gospel has gone. And it has encouraged the brethren here in Rome so that they are more bold in preaching the gospel. Who knows best? Father knows best. When making your plans, make sure God is your travel agent. From Ephesians, first from chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, verse 1, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Ephesians 6, verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in change. Chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May this, these chains and this imprisonment not cause me to go silent. May I speak with boldness. Colossians 4, beginning with verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up for us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Then verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, and also Barnabas' cousin Mark, about whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 18 of Colossians 4, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. To his son Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Chapter 1, verse 16 of 2 Timothy. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched out for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the day, from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Chapter 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. I read that because it shows that he wants to continue to study from the scriptures, but also he's getting a little cold while in prison. Finally, in his letter to Philemon, verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I've sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. Finally, verse 23 of Philemon, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. What did we learn from that 
letter to personal letter to Philemon that it's because Paul is in prison that Onesimus has been converted that the useless servant has become useful as his name implies and Paul returns him to his master so when God is in control Paul may not make it to Spain but he is able to influence the praetorian guard the entire church at Rome, various individuals share with him in his suffering, even converting a runaway slave and returning him to his master. Yes, God's plans trumped Paul's. Best laid plans, certainly make them. But when making plans, make sure God is your travel agent. <laughs>